Grand Canyon University makes earning your degree possible with over 130 academic programs for traditional campus students with more than 80 bachelor's programs offered online. GCU provides you with the personal support you need from complimentary unofficial transcript evaluations within 24 business hours to scholarships, academic support, and your GCU graduation team led by your own university counselor. Find your purpose at GCU. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. to the missing Maura Murray podcast. Lance, what is up tonight? What what is up indeed, right? I mean, we're we're coming back from CrimeCon 2017 in Indianapolis and feeling really 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 good about this uh about this experience and about the the progress that the Maura Murray cases is, is heading. What an incredible time meeting everyone who attended, who came up and talked to us, saw our live show in our panel it was just really surreal and really fun when we do this we do this over skype and we're in our own little bubble here and it was well first of all it, it started off so fast we got there we set up and people were already there and and they were already starting to talk to us so it didn't really sink in until about um maybe the next morning or towards the the middle of the next morning what what this was all about and it was really cool to see the people that 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 listened to the show to see peers in an industry that is so new and so important, this podcast industry, to see your peers out there supporting you and you're supporting them and you're talking with them and uh, and and to also to, to, to talk with the people who are real experts on true crime. And so for this episode tonight, we have a live recording that we did at CrimeCon on Saturday afternoon. You, me, and James Renner were there and about maybe 75 of our closest friends in the room with us. And so you can actually hear them. Um, they're, this is, at some points, they're laughing. Uh, and towards the end, they ask some questions. Uh, and, and one of our buddies, uh, one of our new friends, John Ronson, was there and actually asked a few questions. Uh, so that was really fun to uh, interact with him on that level. I can't actually believe he was even there uh, asking us questions. It, it was crazy. And I know, speaking for myself and... I don't know, maybe speaking a bit for you, but uh, I think all of the all of like the hecticness of of getting to Indianapolis and getting to CrimeCon and setting up the table. And by the time we got to that live podcast, I think I think every, my brain and my body and everything was figuring out like how incredible this was. And I was scared of shit going on there and, and getting up to, to talk to these people. And I think that might have been the first thing I said. And I really don't really remember what the what I said <laughs> during during that. But it was it it was something else. It was something else to to see someone like John Ronson raise his hand. Yeah, it was really cool to, to hear the questions and to look out of the audience and see the faces of our listeners. And we had just decided really what direction to go with this the night before because we were doing a panel on Sunday morning and we had this live show and we had James Renner on both of them. So we just didn't want to be repetitive. So some of the things that you'll hear in this 
live episode. First, we talk briefly about the brand new Oxygen television show, which is about the Maura Murray case specifically, a six-part TV show about Maura Murray. More info on that coming soon. You'll hear a little bit more in this, um, but much more information about that coming soon. But the majority of the episode, we focus on our experience with trolls, actually, internet trolls. Uh, during this few years that we've been doing this. Right, and it really went in. I, I was a little bit skeptical about doing uh, a, a topic specifically about trolls because I felt like people wanted to hear about the cases that we're working on. And and talking about trolls, I, I didn't want them to feel like we were shortchanging them. But as everything happens with what we talk about and who we talk to and who listens and having them ask questions, it really, I, I realized that it was the right direction to go in because it was a whole angle that we, we almost got into in the beginning, but then we pulled back because we realized how, how, how much of a, how much, how much of a cycle of, of madness that could really be. And we could really fall into that cycle and not focus on, on the cases that we that we talk about if we just start focusing on the trolls. So it was kind of refreshing to talk about things that we weren't able to talk about that did actually bother us and did affect how we recorded. And it was a lot easier to do when you have the faces of your listeners looking at you and, and smiling and nodding and 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 chuckling along with you. And then you realize it, you know, really wasn't that big of a deal saying it out loud right now. Yeah, it was almost therapeutic, I think, for us, and uh, and it, it was really just more about kind of telling stories, um, and and I think we all have some pretty interesting ones uh, about our experiences doing these, and and how awkward and and dark they can actually get, um, you know, when, when you internalize what what is happening. Uh, so some stories you may have heard before, but mm, probably most of them you haven't. And I wanted to say before we go to the episode that. The organizers of CrimeCon 2017 were awesome. The hotel, the JW Marriott in downtown Indianapolis was awesome. And the people who attended, the listeners and our peers, our podcasting peers who attended were awesome. And there was a notable missing, a notable absence there. And he knows who he is, and I'm not going to say specifically that it's a nighttime podcast, but he really should have been there. Maybe 2018 in Nashville will be his year to, to come out. but Hopefully he can make it. But yeah, it was a lot of fun uh, talking to our listeners and also having drinks with them. I mean, we, we had drinks with uh, some of the people who we recognized from the crowd you know, the night before. Uh, so that was a lot of fun, too. Okay, so uh, without further ado, let's, uh, let's play this audio, Lance. Thank you very much for listening, and please follow us on Twitter at Maura Murray Doc, D-O-C. And there will be more information coming soon about this TV show, so please follow us closely on social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Thank you. Thanks to everybody for joining us here today. We really appreciate uh, you all taking the time out of your busy CrimeCon weekend to uh, come hear us schmoes talk. Um, how awesome is CrimeCon so far? Awesome. It's amazing, right? Yeah. Yeah. Round of applause I'm, for the people at CrimeCon for putting this on. It's been amazing. Yeah.
And a uh, round, of, round of applause for, for you guys, too. This is, it's amazing to talk to all of you guys. It's... And I'm not, I'm not going to lie, I'm terrified right now. We do this, <laughs> we do this over Skype. We do this like in the privacy of our, of our home, so I've never had so many eyeballs looking at me. So You've never had to wear pants before. I've never. <laughs> he never has. No one knows that I'm currently not wearing pants. Uh, so tomorrow at 10 a.m. in the Grand Ballroom, we have a panel, us three again, and they're going to play a trailer from the new Oxygen TV show, which is about the Maura Murray case. Six-episode series on the case. Um, and so you guys all got to come see that because you're going to go nuts for the trailer. That's a promise. Yeah. It's, it's actual, because of what CrimeCon uh, represents, this series that's being made is an actual investigation into what probably would have turned into a folklore. It would have been 15 years, 17 years, 25 years, and because of the responsible people who go to this and listen to this, it's generated enough interest to have a major production company relaunch a case. It's incredible. So. I think it's going to, I mean, not to jinx it, um, no pun intended. I think it's. I think it's, I think it's going to be on par with making a murderer. And I think the production quality is much, much better than what it is, from what, I, from what I've seen. Yeah. There's certainly going to be more information out about this case than ever before after this, uh, this TV show. And it's, if, if it doesn't solve it, which we don't even know if it has or is going to, but if it doesn't, it's going to really clear the picture, I think, for everyone um, and limit the possibilities of what happened to Maura Murray. So uh, I think later we'll take a few questions, and if you guys want to talk about the show or talk about whatever, we can uh, certainly answer your questions. But uh, I think we wanted to first focus on some of the stories over the past couple years that we've uh, been doing this documentary and podcast. Uh, we have James here, and... Uh, Trolls, internet trolls, trolling is uh, one of the more interesting parts of what we do. And it's something we've really never directly talked about and devoted an episode to. So I think that's kind of what we want to do here. So uh, Lance, why don't you first tell us about your experience with Alden and the happy anniversary video? Sure, yeah. And this actually, <laughs> um, this is... Uh, something that, that James is directly related to uh, in the story back when Alden, when was the, it was 2012? No, 2014? Yes. Yes, okay. Anyway, it was on the, uh, it was on the ninth anniversary. Okay. It was on the ninth anniversary. Uh, Tim and I would do... Uh, 2013 then. Yeah. Yep. Tim and I do, uh, uh, we, we would do video editing on the side and it was really boring. It was like uh, corporate stuff or mitzvahs or, or wedding videos and, and during that time you, you have this period of like rendering so if you, if you edit something you make a cut and you, you render it so you have like 20 minutes or so 15 minutes to where you have this downtime so I hadn't looked at James's blog in a while and we were um, working out of this small office space in East Boston in a warehouse that was about 80% empty and, and it, was, it was an affordable spot and that's why we did it but um, <clears throat> so I was there alone it was uh, I don't know. I, I was rendering something, and I thought to myself, "I am, you know, it's coming up on the anniversary. I haven't looked at James's blog in a little while. I'll, I'll, I'll refresh. The, I'll, I'll go to the blog. I'll refresh the page. See what's going on." And I did that, and I saw the the first James's uh, 
headline said, what the hell is this? And it was the video that Alden posted of the ski ticket, cross-country ski ticket to Brenton Woods, and the title of the video was just Maura Murray, and it was a slow zoom into the, into the date. I'm like, what is this? So I called James, first time I've ever talked to him, and I said, you know, we have a conversation. And I remember him saying, this, this may confirm some suspicions about a certain individual that I've been looking into. And I was like, oh, crazy. Like, you know, I'm, like, I'm all like jittery, and I'm you know, trying to edit, and I'm refreshing the YouTube page that Alden posted it on. And I'm refreshing, refreshing, and I see the videos go from one uploaded to two. And I was like, holy shit. He just posted <laughs> another one. He, he just, and I watch it. And if anybody's seen the Alden Olsen... Uh, um, happy anniversary video. If you haven't seen it, I'll give you the brief, the brief uh, synopsis. It's a man in his mid-50s, slightly, slightly overweight, glasses, very unhinged looking from here up, background is brick, kind of a red hue to it, and he is cackling, old person crazy cackling, laughing, and rocking back and forth. And there's this classical music going on behind it. And I am stone cold with fear because I'm positive he's at the door. I'm positive he's at my office door. Um, um, the hair, you know, you see, you hear the stories like the hair on the back of your neck stands up. The, it literally happens when you get that. It, it is the single scariest thing I've ever seen in that particular isolated moment. And he's rocking back and forth. And all these thoughts are like, I'm watching the guy who's cap, who's, who, who kidnapped Moore Murray. And he's taunting us. And... He, he suddenly stops laughing and winks at the camera and it fades out and it says happy anniversary and I have my phone and I'm calling James and I, did you see the new video? And he's like, there's a new one? I said, yes, watch this. And he, he I can hear him <laughs> watching it and it ends and he goes, that was particularly disturbing. <laughs> and, then he sa- and then I said, and this is the part that James had a, a, like a, a well of information on Moore Murray. And I said to him, is this the person that you were talking about when you said this might be somebody that you were looking into, a person that you were interested in? And he goes, I have no idea who this person is. And I was like, James Renner doesn't even know who this guy is. (laughs) This is the guy. It turns out that uh, 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 Alden went on to make, what, like several dozen videos. So we ripped it. Oh, yeah. James is like, can you get this off of YouTube? And I was like, it's 75% done. Because like, <laughs> so the fear was that this was the guy that, that did it. Yeah. And we needed to get this down and before he took it off YouTube, if he did. Yeah. And you got it right away. And Which of course, do. later that yeah. night. Yeah. yeah. And he had named himself 112 Dirtbag, which is what Fred had called the person who took his daughter, some, some local dirtbag. She went missing on Route 112. So he was the first experience. I, not kidding, spent months analyzing his videos, yeah. analyzing the little drawings that he had. And he just got off on sprinkling these things out there and just watching what people would do. And that was my first experience with trolls. It escalated from there, though, um, where, to the point where I logged on one night and... Uh, there was a video that he had uploaded that were that was my my five year old son, um, and at, the first time I saw it, I thought, "Oh my God, is he filming? Was he filming from outside of my house?" Um, but then I realized that these were all stills manipulated through uh, whatever editing software he was using, so they were zooming in and all this crazy stuff, um, and he had taken these photos from uh, Facebook from and I had a very public Facebook profile at the time 
and I always prided myself in that. I was uh, when I investigated these true crimes and just to be very open because the way I like to report is is to be very open with my evidence and notes and everything. So why not be open with my personal life as well? Um, and I've since changed that because of this. Um, and he had like 100 pictures of my five-year-old son up there. So that began this long conversation with the prosecutor's office uh, near UMass Amherst where Moore went to school and where Alden works as a Walmart greeter. Uh, and um, we tried to prosecute over this. And I was on a conference call with the prosecutor and the lead uh, detective, and uh, they told, told me they were not going to prosecute. And I said, well, what's it going to take? What if this guy – we did some investigation, by the way, and we found out Alden Olson had a criminal record for trying to murder a member of his own family. So if that's the way he treats family, you know, who am I to him? So I said, you know, what happens if this guy shows up at my doorstep with a shotgun? And there was a pause, and then the sheriff said, well, then we have a pretty good case. Um, so that's as much as the law enforcement would do about online trolls. But he was, I, I, I'd like to say he was the worst, but I don't know if that's even true. No, he, yeah. Alden Olson doesn't realize what he is. Yeah. The, the, the type of people that, that he influenced and that type of mentality, I don't believe they really know what they truly are. I think they think what they're doing is somehow noble to throw chaos into what is... You know, we have our yeah. differences as far as the case and conclusions, but then there are the people that want to completely destroy it. And yeah. no matter what happens, I know no matter what conclusion this case comes to, I know both you and I will say, I don't care if I was right or not. I don't right. care. It's done. That's true. It, you know, there's something yeah. happened. It's done. That would be and, wonderful. Yeah. And I would I, be I really upset if I was wrong, though. Uh, you would be. <laughs> yeah. Tim throws things. Yeah. I'll, I'll throw stuff at you guys right now. <laughs> Um, James, how many hours did you spend trying to crack Alden's codes? I, I, I have no, I mean, way too many. Um, I, I became obsessed with it for a time because it, it felt like uh, it felt like the Riddler, you know, and, and I was Batman and I was going to figure it out. And, you know, this I think piss- I was more like Batman, though. I was actually going to say that. I was Batman. I, You're kind of more like Robin. I was more like the, the George Clooney Batman that nobody watched, you know. You were... You're more like the, the Keaton. Ma- the Michael Keaton yeah. Batman. I'll take that. Okay. Okay, go on. Um, and Cross off Batman. <laughs> and he really was like the Riddler because he would put these YouTube videos up there and they would have these uh, visuals that would be like a lightning bolt and then numbers. And you had to figure out like what the numbers matched to and if it was a road and these names that the, he would put on these videos and how they related and uh, whether they would lead you to where more was being held captive. I mean, it was crazy. We would get, we would get emails that had, a, um, it, would, it would be something that he drew, which was a face, and then it would be a comparison to an area of land up in New Hampshire. And if you looked at them, it looked like the eyes are here and that's a lake. And then the eye here is the, this other lake. And then, you know, the weird, like, like, like lightning bolt or something, and the crooked smile looks like the road. And, yeah, you'd sit there and, and look at it and look at it, and then you just kind of know that he was he just did it so that you would waste so much time. He, he insinuated himself in, in my life in various creepy ways, too. Um, there was an incident that I talk about in True Crime Addict um, where uh, it's a long story, but my sister was being stalked, 
and I went to the courthouse to um, help her with this problem. And we went in front of the judge, and the judge basically said, you know, are you her lawyer? And I'm like, no. He's like, then get out of my courtroom. And uh, um, I started talking back and explaining my how my sister was in danger. And he said, if you say one more thing, I'm going to find you in contempt. And, uh, of course, I said one more thing. Um, and he, So I ended up in, in, uh, in jail for five days over contempt of court because I called the judge a drunk, which he was. Um, and uh, so I get out of jail, and uh, I'm, uh, at that time I'm teaching English comp and fiction appreciation at the University of Akron and, and Kent State. And uh, he uh, got my police record and sent it to my bosses at both places um, to try and get me fired. You know, it has nothing to do with the Moore case. It has nothing to do with anything. It didn't work, you know, but um, it was an awkward conversation with the dean. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, and, and it's something, I mean, I've run into trolls in other cases, but nothing to the degree of the Moore and Murray case. Something about this case uh, brings them out. Have any of you, I want to ask to the audience now, have any of you guys uh, tried to figure out what any of Alden's videos mean? No? Some nodding heads. Okay. Well, They're not going to raise their hands. <laughs> well, it's, it's basically, do you, do you guys consider it wasted time? 100%. Yeah. 100% wasted time. <laughs> um, and then, there, I mean, and, and that was the beginning of, of the trolls. I mean, you, you dealt with one when you guys were in um, New Hampshire. And, like, you, you, you hear things like the, you, somebody sent me a picture of a penny. And I had to run away from New Hampshire, which sounds ridiculous, but um, but it's scary when you're in it. You got to explain the penny thing. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, yeah. once upon a time, um, <clears throat> there was a set of coordinates that were sent to to James that said, uh, Look "Stop here. looking." Oh yeah. Stop and it was looking. coordinates. So we figured out where the coordinates were. It's like we have to go find. Uh, we have to go find this. I have to go find out what they're talking about, what's there. And it's about a three and a half, four hour hike up uh, one of these mountains, uh, Desolation Trail. It's Desolation Trail, yeah, right? Because yes. of course it's Desolation right, Trail. Right. right. It, it couldn't it's be not... like Happy Sunny Trail. It was like, <laughs> you're going to die trail. Um, so, so it took a while. We kind of forgot about it uh, because they, you got the email and it was, uh, it was out of season. You, you know, the hiking season in the White Mountains is not limited, but, you know in order to coordinate a bunch of people to go do this uh, and then figure out that you have to, you know, it's a four and a half, or four hour hike in, four hour hike back, you're gonna be looking around and then you start thinking that's gonna be a full day, I might have to camp there. Right. Um, so anyway, we decided we got a, <clears throat> we decided we're gonna go do it. Uh, Tim and I, a uh, friend of mine uh, who was very familiar with the White Mountains, he's a hiker and a tracker and he knows the area. I convinced him to come with us. He had a GPS thing, and we were ready to go, and we stayed at a motel up there. <clears throat> and well, well, let me back up, because we, we booked a hotel. We booked hotel rooms in Lincoln, um, New Hampshire, for the trip. And we started thinking people were potentially monitoring our emails because of this. We got Before we even left for Lincoln, we got this penny tweeted to us, uh, deep in the trenches of hashtag Maura Murray. It's a 1982 heads-up penny. Um, with obviously Abraham Lincoln is on the penny. So we were like, well, this is, that's, that's weird. We just booked a room in Lincoln and now someone's sending us a cryptic message uh, with Abraham Lincoln's face on it. And Mora was born in 1982. Yes. And I know how this sounds. It sounds like they're crazy, but people have literally hacked into our emails 
At least they've hacked into mine, and, and you. Oh, I'm. I'm. I'm they've posi- tried to hack into yeah, yours. I'm, I'm positive. They may have at that point. Yeah. Uh, seems like it. And uh, yeah. we were also simultaneously getting emails from uh, a troll named Miles Wainwright. And I don't even want to tell you how much time I wasted looking up the meaning of a name, the name Miles Wainwright. Um, and he, he sent us a, a, a link to um, the Echo and the Bunnymen's uh, Killing Time music video and was talking <laughs> about the moon and the, the moonlight that, you know, the night she went missing. And right. so we were going back and forth with him kind of on email, uh, not, not really engaging. No, um, I was engaging. I was really curious. <laughs> I, I asked him what he, what he knew. You know, I, I said, what makes you think you know what happened to Maura Murray? And he said, I never said I know what happened to Maura Murray. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> so we, were, we, we meet up with the, the hiker up there. We get our, our room. And did anything happen before the, one, the email that made us leave? I think well the phone we, call right oh the phone call yeah more, so. we we were also hanging out with a uh, medium that night who may or may not be a real medium I'm not really sure we're there at the crash site at night hanging out with a medium who's telling us that Morris talking to him and it's, it just puts you in a creepy mood or you know, a creeped out mood so we're back at the uh, we we're doing a, a we were recording we we're back at the um, motel and this guy Miles Wainwright keeps emailing us. And the, the email that put us over the top was uh, a reference to an, another unsolved murder in that area, and it's, it was uh, Tommy Conrad. And he made it, in the course of the dialogue, he, he wrote, um, it, it was about people minding their own business, and he said, just Tommy Conrad was basically assassinated in his mother's front yard for not keeping his goddamn mouth shut. Mm, for and for we, not minding your goddamn business. Right, right, right. Not minding your goddamn your business. Goddamn business. And we read that, and Tim at the time, I don't mind if I, Tim at the time had a, just had Violet, yeah, yeah. and was a new dad, and he's like, fuck this, I'm not doing this. <laughs> yeah. And it wasn't like we thought someone was going to hurt us going on that hike. It was also coordinates that, oh, it was the second time the, the person sent the coordinates to James with a, with a creepy rhyme to it that said, uh, was it two years ago I told you where? Look again, she's still there. Yeah. And, and We were worried that you'd go up there and step in a bear trap. Right, because, I mean, who doesn't want to put James Renner in a trap, right? <laughs> I mean, the guy, <laughs> so it, we knew that it wasn't going to be, you know, you go up there and you start, you know, oh, my, there's, you know, there's a significant piece of evidence right here. Um, but we started thinking there's a certain mentality in that White Mountain area, and there are things like Army-Navy stores, and there's people who have old landmine memorabilia. These things could, and we started rolling that around in our head, and the reality of it just really, really hit home. And Yeah, we kind of thought that there was a better chance that there was a trap waiting for us than Mora's body, for example. Yeah. Which Didn't somebody call the hotel room too? Yes. The next, yeah, the, later that night. Yeah, we hadn't fully um, we hadn't fully decided that we weren't going to go. We were like, all right, let's you know, let's cool down. Let you know, maybe smoke a little pot or something, <laughs> <laughs> chill out a little bit. Um, and uh, and the next morning we get a call. Our our hotel um, the motel room uh, phone rings and I answer it and it was like six thirty in the morning or something, and I answer it and there's nobody there. It's just a click. And then uh, the guy who we were with, this tracker, hiker guy, um, we met up with him like an hour later. And he said, uh, he's like, you guys call my room this morning? Mm-hmm. 
And we said, no. And he goes, oh, I just had a phone call. Uh, no one was there. And I asked the front desk. And, and she said, oh, maybe your buddies called you. And we're like, dude, we had a phone call too. And that's, I think that's when we were like, this definitely isn't happening right now. <laughs> could have just, just been a weird coincidence, but with all the series of events that went down the previous night, getting, uh, getting prank phone called the next morning, seemed like there was a presence there that wanted us to not stay. It seemed like someone knew exactly where we were. Yeah. Um, and there was no deadbolt on the hotel door, <laughs> which yeah. was a little nerve-wracking. And we really didn't have weapons. Like, we're not gunmen. We don't, we don't carry guns. We had a knife, like, like very dull. The Swiss Army knife. Yeah, like, yeah. It's, it's not really going to do much. I'd like fingernail clippers. <laughs> <laughs> so we were in trouble if someone actually really w- were, was going to approach us. The yeah. craziest, oh, not, I don't know if it's the craziest thing, but, you know... Uh, Right around the time that the book came out, somebody did it, was deliberately trying to hack into all my social media accounts and, and my personal email, and they actually managed to do it, but I was able to you know, fix it pretty quickly. They sent me a, um, a, a link. This is the, the links that they went to. They sent me a link, an email from my – it looked as though it was from my editor at um, FS&G, um, and it was through her – email account so they made it look like it was coming from which i have and i know it's her uh when the email comes in and it was you know signed by sarah and um and it said hey um have you seen the latest draft now i should have known then that something was up because i there was no draft for me to look we we weren't working on a book at the time but this is from my editor she's saying draft i'm like so i click on it and it says uh, to access this the server you have to type in your password and so I, I type in my email password, and, and it goes, and, and as soon as I hit return, I'm like, God damn it. <laughs> so, um, you know, I call this guy, you know, a friend of mine that works in IT security, and he walked me through the steps I had to take to, you know, to, to fix it. But they, you know, if they were quick about it, they would have been able to get into my email very quickly and, you know, I don't know. So, you know, there are people that, you know, you get your normal trolls that will just send you threatening emails or, you know, just call you a jerk or whatever. Um, but then you have very sophisticated types in this case that, um, that are trying to get at information we have or take down our social media or, or, you know, publicity, things like that. When we got back, I went to, um, I went to my, my day job, and we have an IT guy, and I took the header of the emails from Miles Wainwright, and I said, can you figure out where these came from? And I didn't show him the emails. I just you know, he just needed the the header information. And he came back to me a little while later, and he was like, "Oh yeah, don't worry about that. That's just a bot." And I said, "No, no, no, no. I, we've I've talked to this person. Like he answers questions." And and he's like, "Seriously?" I said, "Yeah." <laughs> and he said, it's "Like this is, this is buried where this is." It was he was impressed at the length that this person went to bury um, the information that would lead yeah. to the identity. It was oh, it wasn't there a. a a message encrypted in there that we still to this day don't even yeah, we never really? deciphered yeah I mean, I th- yes there was I can't remember <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it's it's uh, and, and even to this day people still uh, screw around with us they someone randomly emailed us and she was she's a hiker and she had never heard about the case went to the White Mountains went to um, the, the mountain that this uh, the coordinates were on and said, hey, I found these ribbons that say Moore Murray, and they were tied to a tree, R.I.P. Moore Murray, and I was hiking Desolation Trail, 
And you know, I, I looked into it, and my roommate was like, "You got to talk to these guys who do this thing." And and so we called her, and we verified that she's a genuine person. This person's not lying. And I, I'm not going to say we found out what happened, but the lengths that people will go to just to create some sort of chaos is, yeah. is remarkable. That means somebody went up, and it was probably it was right before the branch where you can go the major route on Desolation Trail and go um, kind of back down. And it was right at that fork. So someone actually hiked. They went up there, they made these little ribbons, and they tied them off, and they put keywords on it. I'm not going to get into it because I don't want to give people attention that they don't deserve attention, but they put keywords on there so that when we saw them, we go, God damn it, that's the same person. <laughs> that per-, you know. And it turned out to not quite be the same person, but it was keywords that only we would know. thought a lot about this i think part part of what's going on is i think what people are essentially doing is playing a real world dungeons and dragons game um where they're almost like larping you know like they would be out there in the park with wearing armor and with foam swords but they're using this case as their uh dungeons and dragons manual and it's but but it's there it's real people that are involved in it you know mm-hmm. Maura Murray was a real person her family's very real and everybody that cared about her were real people but they're creating this weird fictional fantasy story around this case that because they want to have fun with it yeah. it's for the lulls and and I'm actually I was a little concerned say. about us because uh, I know people come here and you want to hear about the case you want to hear about Maura Murray you want to hear our opinions um, and I and I was I was thinking, well, should we talk about trolling? Because we never really talk about that on, on the podcast um, anymore. And um, I'm glad we did, because it just shows how responsible all of you people are. You're hearing the story, and you're thinking, that's crazy. And the reason why we were here, the reason why we got to this position with this case is because we listen to responsible people like you. It's, it's oh, there's remar- definitely a troll out here somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I think a, it's John Ronson. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, it's, yeah. uh, it's, I'm glad that we talked about this because this is one of the most important parts of what this, one of my favorite shirts over there was the one that says basically a detective. I think that's hilarious. But look what you do. Yeah. We got so, all of the trolling and all that was a big distraction, but we got so many more, like, productive people. And, and you know, we, there's, there's a show about it now. There's a legit investigation happening. That's never happened for this case. And it's because everybody listened. Um, th- there was also a blog. This this happened several years ago, right when we announced that we were doing this documentary, probably sometime in 2014. There was a blog called Not Without Peril, um, written by a guy named Sam Ledyard, and it was about the Maura Murray case. He ended up taking his blog down because he was threatened by a online character named Palmkick that has probably come up in the podcast before. Palmkick loves me. <laughs> Palmkick Palm has, has a, a thing for both of you guys, actually. That's another thing. They all have their their names, you know, like bat, like like villains from Batman. You know, there's Palmkick and there's Dirtbag yeah. and there's and it, even if you look at the Urban Dictionary for Palmkick, it says an internet anarchist. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, cool. Um, so this guy threatened this guy Samuel Ledyard. And with and when we saw the email and it was it said uh, the blogger your wife the blogger your wife the blogger your wife about 150 times, 
Um, and then I think there was a smiley face kind of drawn into it, actually, uh, using, like, dashes. Uh, they, the, the guy, Samuel Ledyard, which isn't his real name, but he talked to a different person who is a follower of the case who this person said that he isolated where – and he's like a computer guy. He's like a, a CPA. And uh, so he said he isolated where Palm Kick came from, where, where the, this email came from. And he said it was East Boston, Massachusetts, which was where Lance's studio was at the time. So this guy was literally trying to frame Lance. <laughs> uh, which is just another, another interesting thing. I don't know. They have no comment on that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, um, we, we know who it is. We, we uh, actually, maybe a few months ago, a Reddit uh, moderator from the Unresolved Mysteries page, or, or the more Reddit page, um, emailed us and, said, and, and asked us about this person and what, what do you know about this person? We said, well, we think that person's palm kick. And she's like, obviously. <laughs> and, uh, and she sent us emails where he pretty much admitted it. Um, he actually did admit it in the emails, but he's kind of being jokey in it as well. But oh my he's God. palm kick. I just had a revelation. What? And I wouldn't have known unless I, we went to your, your, uh, your talk. And this guy clearly might be a psychopath because the way he we talked to him on the phone and the way he talked about palm kick, like, oh, palm kick wouldn't do this and palm kick wouldn't do that. I'm not palm kick because palm kick wouldn't do – and all of these, like, self-like grandeur-like type things. Yeah. And, and it's like, oh, I'm so happy I learned something. Yeah, he spoke about him. <laughs> he spoke about him in high regard yeah. as, if, as if this was someone to be respected. And so we, we got off the phone and said, we are 100% positive this asshole is palm kick. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, one of my favorite moments in, in this whole thing involves a different troll uh, who really, really ran amok on Twitter last summer. Um, he called uh, John Smith Palmkick, which he isn't. He also said John Smith, uh, who's been on the podcast several times, ha uh, murdered Maura Murray and was demanding his alibi for that night. It's like, well, John's like, you know, I don't fucking remember what, where I was in this random day. Why would I remember? He's like, I was probably working. And, and John Smith is exactly what this troll wanted. Because John <laughs> Smith will not stop. He's like, he, he will not stop. If he's, got a, if he's got an issue, he won't stop. He doesn't care. And if he doesn't like you, then it's on. And it's on publicly. Like, it's, it's on. And you look at the comments back and forth. And anyway, continue. Um, we, we sent probably 50 plus emails to this guy um it went back and forth for for a long time we were trying to explain to him what he was doing is damaging and really wrong he, he also at one point said fred murray was palm kick um which, which you is idiots how can you not <laughs> like, see yeah right. fred fred barely checks his email like he's he's not doing this stuff but my, my very favorite moment of this whole thing, these whole several years for us, was when Lance emailed this guy. He had, he had enough of it, and he emailed this guy um, a, a really amazing email that, that started with, you motherfucker, <laughs> <laughs> and, and ended with, go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> there, was, there, was a, there was a lot of stuff in there, a lot of text in between those bookends, but... Um, and as I was writing it, I knew, I was like, this is exactly what he wants. This yeah. is exactly what he wants, but I couldn't stop myself because it had gone so far. He was damaging, he was damaging the entire community that we were working really hard to build. And um, he actually pinned it to his Twitter as if people were going to look at that and say, 
I can't believe you were treated like that. You know, I can't believe that. <laughs> I can't believe <laughs> these guys would do that to you. I thought they no. were professional. We got, yeah. I got so many emails saying, nice work. Like, that was the <laughs> best thing I've ever read. Like, you idiot. Yeah, that just you made my are. day. We yeah. got emails and, and calls about that. Yeah. Not to open up a can of worms here. Let's do it. But oh boy. with all these anonymous trolls and this mis- highly... Um, organized misinformation campaign on this one specific cold case. Um, it gave me some chills when I finally learned that uh, after West Point, Bill Rausch, who was Mora's boyfriend at the time, uh, was involved for a couple of years. He worked for uh, this group in the military whose job it was to uh, spread misinformation uh, to the media, to, um, to use... Uh, he worked specifically with newspapers in Iraq and Afghanistan, I believe, or maybe just Iraq, where they would feed fake news stories into the Iraq papers, and then the AP would pick it up um, and, as if it were, were true news. Um, so, you know, he and his friends, highly, highly trained and skilled in this sort of thing... Um, I don't know if, if it was anything to do with him. I don't know if it has anything to do with friends and they never even told Bill that this was what they were doing or if it has nothing to do with anything. But it's, a, it's always been a weird coincidence to me. Um, but this case is full of weird coincidences too. Which that is one of the, I guess one of the things that makes people addicted to the case is that you can't look at, you can't be trolled and then look at her ex-boyfriend at the time and have something like that happen and, and yeah. not think, wow, that was, that's my, my computer was hacked. And right. that's exactly what they do. Her ex-boyfriend yeah. who it's inexplicable why he was even at the, you know, searching for her, how he was even able to get out of West Point to go search for his right. girlfriend. It's that's, that's an, or that's Fort a Sill. He was at Fort Sill yeah, at the Fort time. Sill, and then you yeah. find out that Bill, um, allegedly sexually assaulted a woman at this office in DC in 2011 and uh, gets fired from the job over over this alleged assault. And I've talked to the I've talked to the victim. Uh, I've talked to the women who worked with him, and they swear that he has a split personality. That he's one person when there's a man in the room, um, and a totally different person if there's no man in the room. Um, and we know for a fact he lost the job over it. I've talked to Bill, and he admits um, the allegation at least. So that to me, changed the whole way I looked at the case and what Moore was up to. I, I think at one point, I didn't think, I, you know, the worst thing I've ever done in the course of the investigation in this case is suggest that Moore Murray was a sociopath. Um, but that's because I didn't, I didn't have this information that she might, in fact, um, what she really was, I think, was a survivor, um, that I strongly believe she was in an abusive relationship or feared she would be. And, uh, and left to, in part, to get away from that. Um, and I think a very good motivator to remain hidden um, is, is a child. Oh, boy. You know? Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> here, a little bit. Let's, uh, let's, we're here. let's open up for questions because we only have about 10 minutes left. What's up, Justin? <laughs> Why did you guys start your podcast? <laughs> <laughs> so we wanted to be like you. <laughs> <laughs> we started the podcast because we had this documentary that we began in December of 20, 2013. The very first thing we shot on that was going to Canada to quite literally look for Maura Murray with James Renner. Um, 
We and were detained at the border, too. We were. We were for a brief amount of time. They're like, are you guys up to something? We're like, no, we're just going to go up there and look at churches, which whose idea that was. That was my know. idea. And uh, so they go into the vehicle, and there's all the these missing <laughs> missing posters of, of Maura Murray, and they're like, okay, you guys got to go in the back room. Yeah. Guy comes in with his cute little French accent, and he's like, who is Maura Murray? And we're like... Who is Maura Murray to you? <laughs> yeah. And then they stole our staple gun, so we had to... Tape right. them to the. Yeah. <laughs> so we, we, we went out to like staple, and James was like, "Where's the staple gun?" They stole our staple gun. We wanted um, more footage. We wanted to meet more people who are obsessed with this case because the documentary that we began in 2013 was about the people who are obsessed with this case. So it, it's actually really it, it's it's not the easiest thing to do to just say, "Hey, I'm making a documentary. You want to you want to talk about this? You're obsessed with this case. You want to talk about this? Yeah, you're a weirdo. Didn't really get us <laughs> anywhere. Talk about how weird you are. Um, so. So uh, we decided to start the podcast to further the documentary, and uh, and it really worked. It uh, it it introduced us to many, very many more people. Uh, some of them are in this in this audience right now. Uh, Aurelia has been on the show. Justin's been on the show. Aaron uh, back there has been on the show as well. Are you going to show footage tomorrow? Footage? No, we're, we are not showing footage of our documentary. We oh. didn't. Uh, we didn't want to take away from the. <laughs> yeah, oh, right, we, right. we didn't want to minimize the oxygen shot. Right. right. <laughs> no, just right. kidding. No, actually, quite the opposite. We we didn't want it. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of that, I, I think if I was you, I'd be feeling a little nervous and jealous of the oxygen shot. <laughs> you've been doing this for so many years, but you don't seem jealous. No, uh, the, 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 the question from uh, John Ronson was, uh, are we nervous or jealous that the Oxygen show is, is happening? And uh, yeah, n- no, it, absolutely not. Um, the Oxygen show gave this case such a better chance to be solved than what we ever could have done. And we knew that from the beginning. Um, we, we had trust in the production company and the direction they were going and Oxygen. Yeah, <clears throat> just their their entire process. When we first learned learned that they were going to do this, um, we had a lot of conversations out, outside of uh, you know conversations with the production company, and we'd raise our concerns and we'd write them down. And then when we talked to the production company again, we'd bring the concerns up, and then they would say no, and they'd tell us why. And just the entire process was they gave us so like a sense of like real, real something real is going to happen with the case, and um, and they included us in it. And, and we were able to contribute um, and our, our information and, and the work that we've done so far. And that was, that was really cool of them. So they can coexist. Yeah. Cool. And, and also, it actually allowed us to focus more on the original intention of our documentary, which is about the people who are obsessed with this case. Which turned out to be us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in the process I of making it. I want to give away the end, but... Yeah. Lance and I try really hard to not come up with theories. Uh, it's actually been quite been one of the more challenging things about this whole process is not coming up with a theory. Although we do hear really good theories, and and we, I, I keep I, I keep using this analogy of there's this little dark circle that was where the, that was the time and place that she went missing, and if you start working uh, out from that and you take things at face value and don't assume that things are don't assume that things are, are, are being lied, that there are lies. Like certain things that, that, that were out there about why she got to that spot 
probably are true, a family emergency, um, and 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 my sister and these these things that you've read. If you just, if you take them at face value, they do bring her to that spot. Hopefully, we will know what happened at that spot. But from a from a um, non-investigator standpoint, I. And, and seeing just the massive amount of reaction this case gets, it would be, we wouldn't be here if we had a theory that, and we stuck to it. I, ha I have a theory. <laughs> no kidding. Next part. Next. <laughs> uh, the, the one thing I want to say is, is what's interesting about this case, that so much about this case is interesting, but the way I describe it to people that have never heard about it is it's a Rorschach test. Um, there are so many weird clues in this case that you're going to come to a very different conclusion than anybody else based on what you bring to it yourself. It's very much uh, like that, I think. Um, to me, a lot of people think I'm 100% sold on this idea that she's in Canada and, and ha hanging out in Quebec. Um, I don't necessarily believe that. Um, the only thing that I think I've come away with is I'm 100% sold in my heart that she was not traveling alone that there was this tandem driver, another driver that was in a car ahead of her. She got in an accident. They turned around and picked her up and went on. Now, that person either took her somewhere and she's living her life and hiding, or that person is responsible for her murder. Um, but that's where I'm at after years of investigation. And I know a lot of people disagree with me, and that's, and that's fine, and we can hang out and we can have a drink later. Um, <laughs> but that's where I'm at. And you can throw drinks at each other. Yes. Too. <laughs> um, the accident that she had after the party, mm -hmm. um, you said that the reason the cop let her go is because she wasn't drunk. So why would anyone talk about the party? I think because it wasn't a party. I think it was, uh, I, I think it was a gathering in a dorm, dorm room that was 13 years ago. And I know James, I can feel him right now. <laughs> um, and when people say, uh, I don't remember who was at the party, and you hear, we don't know if it was a big party or a small party. If it was you know, a couple of college girls having a couple of drinks. Um, we, there, are, there are rumors that she left with a, with a, a man. Um, she didn't have her phone on her. Um, I don't know what that all means. Uh, I, think I, don't, I don't think. To answer your question, why won't anyone say who was at the party? That was the question. I, I think because the answer is no one told James who was at the party. <laughs> <laughs> like if I, and and that and I that possibly burned a couple of bridges for other people who asked. And and now Probably. I don't want to talk about the case at all. Well, now that's a, that's an that's an easy thing for them to say now. But you talk to the police from UMass who spoke to Kate Markopoulos and Sarah Alfieri a week after the disappearance, and they will say that they were uncooperative from the beginning about talking about anybody that was there. In fact, we just found out maybe six months ago that Sarah Alfieri and the, the party was supposedly at her dorm room. Sarah had a roommate that has never been interviewed too, who was ostensibly there, was at least one other person that was there, and uh, she won't talk about it either, um, won't return any calls. Uh, Sarah, I've never met anybody that, that uh, you know, reacted the way she did when I showed up asking about that party. Um, you, but you showed up at, at her door, knocking on her door and asking her about this party from 10 years ago. How, what would, how would you expect her to react? Well, I, I'm dressed kind of similar the way I am, and I don't think I, 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 
I think I come off as more of a, a Columbo likable type of guy. <laughs> I, I, didn't, I didn't expect her to, to say, how did you find me, and then slam the door in my face. It, it wasn't, and I've talked to a lot of people in this situation, and you would think a lot of people would be fearful, but most of the times they're open for talking. You're a person that wants to hear their story. It's human nature to share that story. Even suspects of, of cases, they want to talk about this thing, even to the detriment of, of their own case. So I, I think it's weird. I think they're lying um, about, I think it's possible that party was a good pie uh, party that it was a going away party. Um, it's convenient. Oh, John Ronson has a question. Yeah. Tiffany, you may have answered this and I missed it, but why did you just turn up at her house instead of, you know, emailing her? Well, I tried the email and, and, and calling. Um, she never responded. And, uh, and, and she actually kept her uh, address um, kind of uh, hidden. It wasn't easily. I, I had. I have a friend who's a private investigator who found her address. So, uh, and it still strikes you as strange that after she didn't respond to your emails, hit her address, that you, she would have said, how did you find me? And shut the door in your face. Like that. In hindsight? That's a weird thing to said do. That. You, know, you, you drove several states to get there. Well, I made it... It was part. I, it wasn't just that I went out there just to talk to her. I mean, I popped in on Julie Murray too, um, and and Wait, she was. Did a, she, she react in a similar way? Yes, but but she was much nicer about it. She was, you know, she. You know, we we did talk for a couple minutes, and uh, you know that was that was one trip where I, I I got to the point in my reporting where okay, these people haven't gotten back to me. I need to give them the opportunity to respond. Um, and so I need to try to make contact there. So um, it, it, it was part of that wrap-up tour. And, and I stopped in on a couple friends of Mora's. They were decent. Um, uh, they didn't come to the door, but they sent their husbands. Um, <laughs> and one of them sent me a nice email afterwards. So, Okay, uh, maybe one more question. I think we're almost out of time. Okay. Maybe two more questions. Okay, two more. <laughs> I think because I scored high on the psychopath test. <laughs> no, because you do see you do see more uh, positive movement than uh, than the negative, um, and you keep you 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 learn how to like ignore it. The ignoring is really the key. You just ignore it, and it's like from Nightmare on Elm Street. You just turn your back on the monster, and it goes away. And, and if they're not if you're not fueling it, if you don't respond, then they go away. And but don't go to sleep. But don't go to sleep. Don't ever fall asleep. <laughs> um, but yeah, and then you end up, once you've been through that, and <clears throat> anybody who listens to the podcast, you, you see that there was a, there's a journey that Tim and I went on, and you kind of have to go on that journey, and that was part of the journey. And we wouldn't have appreciated all of the <clears throat> important information that we gathered if we, if we didn't have to go through that and see both sides. Okay, last question right there. Um, or did I just stalk people? Uh, no, it's um, 
one of the things I came away with on that trip is uh, there was a time where I thought maybe more is close friends from Hanson, Whitman area. Um, I, I thought they might know where Mora was or might have more information. And I definitely came away with the sense that they um, they don't, you know, if, if she's out there, she's not in contact with her old friends. And Katie, Katie's the one that sent me the email. She's like, thank you for what you're doing. Um, you know more about this than I do. Um, you know, we'd certainly like to find out what happened to our friend. So um, I came away with Julie Murray being an honest person, um, not hiding anything, um, but at the same time coming away with the fact that I, I certainly think Sarah Alfieri and Katie Mark, or Kate Markopoulos have more information than they've ever shared. <laughs> One more question. One more, Let's, let's hear it. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, uh, the question was, have more people opened up? Are you specifically talking about law enforcement, or are you talking just... Well, yeah, um, with, the, with the show, with the investigation that the show is doing, um, there's, a, uh, there's a, a law enforcement official who is part of the show, and he's, over the course of months, um, uh, formulated a really good relationship with law enforcement, and every so often he, he says, hey, what about those things that you didn't release and no one knew why you didn't release it? You think we could see some of that? And they slowly start to give him information because he's gained their trust. And it's not, he's not being deceptive about it. It's a way that he's got to play this game to, to get the information. So, yeah. Yeah. There's a ton of information coming. Yeah. No. No, they actually, that's kind of a misconception. They, they, they did the best investigation that they could based on the information and, and the situation at the time. For sure. At the time, they thought that she was going to show up at the cottage hospital and... And it was a uh, it was a, uh, a a young woman who was drinking in her car and just wanted to leave the car while she went and sobered up. And they didn't approach it as no reason why they should have. That's they get a bad rap because it's no it's a it's a police force of four in a small town, and there's no reason why when you see a car that's got alcohol in it and the driver's not there and it's locked, you're going to say they're probably you know they're probably hiding out somewhere and they're going to come back. And she never came back 13 years later. So. Thank you very much for joining us, everybody. Thanks a lot, guys.